0: Really, as a producer, you'd love to be able to have the time to do that, but we're not going to stop and say, okay, so we you know, our sibs are here, etc." I remember when we used to stick our head in the back and move it with a ratchet and go, okay, it's on four, we'll go and give that a run. We stop, yep. we get out, we
1: G'day, welcome to the Farms Advice Podcast. It's With your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's voice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farm's Voice, and let's get into this episode. All good. Well, Pete, welcome back to the podcast. We had a bit of a we had some good feedback coming in for your opening segment for H series. So welcome back, and everything Harvest. Farmers across the country are going pretty hell for leather at the moment, getting their crops off, trying to beat that cloud front coming through. People get a bit more than they've wanted, but welcome to the harvest series and let's open it up and see what is happening out there.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jack. It's yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Uh, We, yeah, we definitely had some good engagement, so which was which was good. Hopefully, it's giving uh, all the all The producers something to listen to while they're slowly chipping away at harvest,
1: yeah, absolutely. And a few people out there on Twitter, especially, they call harvest their grand final day, the big day. Um, that all the hard work sort of been put into and harvest time. What does it mean for H? Is probably a little bit of a, a big focus of what KSOH does, um, there with your team,
0: yeah. Um, I, I it's really, it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword. It's exciting. You know, we, we've also watched the crop, you know, be planted with with stigers and magnums and and our machines and our tillage gear. Um, and then, as, as the producers say, it is literally, it's the scorecard. You know, what did we do well? What didn't we do well? How was the mother nature to us? Um, and I think it's also an extremely stressful time as well. For our dealers, for our customers, for, for our staff, our, our service staff, our parts staff. Um, we've had some some pretty big, um, uh, I guess, challenges with shipping and, and timeliness of delivery, um, which we have seen over the past three years. Uh, so I, I don't know when it'll get back to normal. I actually probably don't even really know what normal is anymore. So uh, this may just be the world we're in. But, yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely an exciting time, and it is good to see the result um, uh, of all the, the, the year's hard work.
1: Absolutely. Southern farmers have been doing it pretty tough, especially around southern New South Wales, or even southern Queensland as well, right down to Tasmania. Um, whether they're getting the crop off or not, they'll have to clean up that paddock regardless. But let's step into what's important for harvest. Talking about regular machine maintenance to avoid downtime, safety and looking at productivity, especially during harvest. We want to be as productive as possible. What's Case doing in this realm?
0: Ah. Uh, our, our producers are very good at doing their pre-harvest maintenance. Uh, you know, we, we see a huge volume of machines come through practically as soon as harvest is over. I know a lot of our customers send the machines straight in or uh, get a technician out to, to, to give them an overview of, of what needs to be um, corrected or changed for the following harvest. So I think for years we've been kind of pushing that pre-harvest uh, Uh, Activity just to make sure everything is tip top. Um, You know, it's that it's that same thing. You walk past that bearing prior to harvest and go, I should change that. And then, of course, the heat comes in early. We start harvest a week early because it's rush rush. We don't change that bearing, and it's the one thing that makes us that pulls us up. So they're very, um, I'll say, well trained. To, uh, to get ahead of the curve uh, in the, the point of the, the, the talking to the dealers and, and also ordering the parts and et cetera. I think COVID's driven a lot of that to actually go even earlier. I know some guys would clean it down, put it in the shed and pull it out three months later and then get to the dealer to do it, but they're actually helping the dealer in a very big way and ourselves, as in the manufacturer, to say, hey, kanban has been looked at, we need X, Y and Z." We get a, a a fair chunk of time then to start getting that that um, those components in, um, and then it's it's fitted to the machine and and she's ready sitting there ready to go when it's when the temperatures are right and the moisture's down, and we go.
1: Absolutely, I've seen a few funny Twitter posts and everything. The the older sort of farmers sort of holding up their grease gun and letting the millennials and Gen Zs know what a grease gun is um, prior to harvest. It's a bit. Like getting in there everywhere, however many nipples you're looking for, um, it's not the best job, but it definitely needs to be done. And prior to maintenance, it could be why you pull up in the end. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know, from a manufacturer's standpoint, we've made it easy to try and bank as much as we can. But as my father would have said to me, you know, there's nothing better than lying under a combine um, doing your your grease nipples when you actually get a chance to look at stuff. You know there's that that mentality where people go, go oh no, I gave it a hit of grease, or did it take the grease is the grease coming out? So I think we've tried to make it easy, but just be aware that you know it can also be detrimental if you're not actually under there looking at that ram or that or that bush on where that grease is meant to go um, from that point of view. But trying to keep the grease levels as low as uh, the the grease points as as low as we can, so we make sure we have a relatively clean and and quick, um morning fire up um before
1: you get going certainly and something that farmers can't argue with there the less grease sniffles for the better but for maintenance um looking into safety and what this harvest will bring safety is pretty paramount to getting the crop off making sure we're safe right the way through how is dealing with machinery and making sure that the environment around so like the operators that come into that machine they're not always on farm um, maybe more so this year because we can't get these backpackers, these external sort of seasonal workers to the farms. How is safety playing a big role in the way you look at manufacturing the equipment, keeping the operator in the know? What's that look yeah, like? Yeah, I
0: think from a, from a safety point of view, uh, we have several, uh, I, I guess, um, fail safes on, you know, whether it's a seat cutout switch, you know, if the ladder isn't up, the machine won't run, um, you know, the, the old days of climbing into the bin, you know, and I, and I did it um, back in the day, you know, to clean out and stuff like that. I think we've just got to be really, really smart about it. You know, the, the idea of taking the keys out of it, um, you know, and having it in your pocket, making sure that the the machine's um, not running, you know, we have seen some pretty horrific issues over the years, yeah. um, and you know, you're adding you're adding in the pressure of harvest, the timeline, you know, trucks sitting there empty, especially when you're changing varieties and you're collecting your seed, uh, mm-hmm. your your seed grain. Um, that's where I that's always my concern, and I think it's like anything, you know, like the old adage, you know, look up and live. Yeah. You know, where are you driving into? Where are the power lines? Um, but yeah, harvest is always a very, I guess, stressful point of view from my side, from a safety aspect, and even down to my technicians. You know, when they get uh, harvest time, is the the technicians are running twenty four seven, and they are uh, if if the climatic conditions are correct, you know, they and we can harvest twenty four hours at least, maybe or even twenty hours a day. The safety issues for those guys are is also paramount. You know, they're going to be travelling late at night. They're going to be trying to find a combine. You know, I remember going into a, to years ago to look at a cotton picker and the the grower was like, yeah, we're in the back paddock and I could see the lights, but the channel country wouldn't exactly let me get there in a the straight line. So I think it took me longer to get there than to, than to actually do the job. So, you know, that's all pressure that's, that, that, that's uh, on the technicians back to get to the next job. Um, so, yeah, safety is paramount, I think. Again, we just need to make sure we're doing everything in a in a controlled manner.
1: Absolutely, and it's probably the on call season when everyone's really the on call at the at the farmhouse to the dealership as well, um, making sure that we can get that crop off because we are vulnerable to the environment around us and that storm coming ahead of us. There's not too much we can do. We really want it off, especially like if we've got hail in a storm coming across, that can really knock us about as farmers. Um, but for this year, comparing it to last year, are you seeing a bit of reduced level of this stress within the dealerships? Um, looking to get parts out to market, farmers have become a bit more adapt to the supply chains across the world.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I the farmers have. Um... Uh, heavily kind of stocked up, I suppose, on the parts that they can see. You know, if we were still running a majority of rotor belts, I'm sure they'd be going out the window like there was no tomorrow. But we are moving away from the rotor belt and going to a, a CVT drive is, is a little bit easier. You know, you don't have that, that big belt running around. But also there's a lot of guys running 23.88 still, uh, 70.88 and et cetera. So it is still, yeah, it's still an important part of the business because if that goes, you're not doing anything. Um, but the other part with the conditions that we've got, obviously the Western side of the country's had a really good run. Uh, I think they've had a few hits of rain, but nothing too damaging. And then on the other side, you know, I've got dealers talking, we'll still be harvesting in March, the way we're going, um, it's very slow, it's very stressful on machines, it's stressful on operators, it's stressful on truck drivers. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a long, drawn-out harvest. I think New Zealand will probably, you know, there's a few New Zealand boys that might be finished before we even finish, which is usually very, 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 uh, very strange.
1: Yeah, right. I'd love to talk to you about New Zealand harvest in a minute. But let's talk about the machinery. I actually put my hand up before we own a 2388 and actually got the chance to gut it through the previous owner. Um, unfortunately ran a rock through it. So we had to go through there and um fix all that internally. But I thought it was actually going to be a lot more difficult than it was. Um coming from livestock background, we actually it was great for us to get our minds up to scratch with what's going on within the header, see how the internals work. But talk to me about what's all new within the harvesting range, the combine header range, um, and maybe even what sort of tractors we're chasing using for chaser bins out there. Um, yeah,
0: I think um, if we look at the combine, you know, one of our biggest uh, selling features would be our would be our um, our automation. Um, uh, pretty well, the best way to kind of uh, explain it is that we we're letting the machine understand what's flowing through it um under a certain grain type and we're actually making changes and and fairly um decent size changes on the run to ensure that we have a clean sample and we're getting the the maximum capacity out of out of the machine controlling the speed and etc you know we used to always joke about yeah, contractors would be just going a little bit fast, a little bit fast, yeah, you because know, where they're not, we're not getting paid on what's coming out the back. It's all about the acres done for the day. So, um, having that uh, option to flick that switch and turn that on um, has been a great help to a lot of uh, producers, especially with people that didn't have the history. Um, you know that came out of a, a, a Clayson or a, a, you know, the, uh, all the way through the changes in the in the way the combines have evolved over the last couple of years. Um, definitely had a few challenges in in some of our uh, more experienced operators actually turning it on and understanding that you know it's a pretty smart machine. It, it's it's changing stuff on the run a hell of a lot quicker than you can actually compute while trying to unload and 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 do everything else and dodge the rocks and the trees. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things. The other thing that we really strive on is making sure we've got a really comfortable uh, spot for the operator. Um, you know, it needs to be quiet. In, you know, I think there was one customer that said, uh, in a in a recent TikTok uh, review on a, on a uh, 8250, I think it's got more USB plugs than a Tesla. You know, again, you know, we everything's charged by usb so let's make it easy we can adjust the screen we can adjust the height of your if, even of your um your hand rest on the actual propulsion lever just trying to get it really customized so they're comfortable because they're in there for a bloody long time
1: yeah when i it a and probably those little small details to like the screen being able to move um, i saw the tiktok that went around um and just yeah with that afternoon light or whatever you've got sunset coming down or even sunrise for most of us out there harvesting just those little abilities to change what you're doing as the operator um to map to how you operate is probably the best as well
0: yeah yeah and i think you know, even from the storage side of it and putting a fridge in there you know to be able to go and have a a, a cold lunch or cold drinks we know when, although today's temperature is not really, you wouldn't know it was the, you know, early December. But when, it, when we do get into the normal temperature, it's always nice if you've got something cold to drink as, as opposed to warm water sitting up against the windscreen all day in a bottle. Um, we've all been down that road. Um, and just being able to make sure that everything has its place, again, and it's secured. There isn't stuff rolling around in, under their feet. And you'll see there's a lot of photos. You know, there's still enough room for your dog as well to sit on the floor or kids you know we always get a lot of photos of the kids curled up sound asleep on the floor while the combine's going um so yeah it's because granted we don't use them for a long amount of time when we do use them each year it is a lot of hours in a very short period so we need to make sure our operators are comfortable
1: yeah absolutely paramount to what we do as farmers and also Trying to limit that fatigue is probably a huge thing from the operator's behalf, but also the farm owner and everyone working on that farm. We don't want to be fatigued, but obviously knowing that there are large hours involved within what we do to get that crop off. But managing that safely as well is all part of it.
0: So Yeah, and I think then I think if you look at what we're chasing with now. From a chaser bin side of it, you know, we're seeing some enormous chaser bins being produced now by, um, you know, the guys in Corleman and, and, and multiple different manufacturers. So, you know, the days of running around with, a, I guess, the, there's still a fair few saucer bins floating around. Um, I don't think they'll ever disappear. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Tigers, Magnums, you know, again, machines that are comfortable, good visibility. Uh, to be able to see where that front is. And obviously the fronts are getting out to 60 foot now, yeah. which is a hell of a lot of, uh, you know, you are getting closer. But we've also maintained to grow the length of the auger, have a lot more control on our auger with even just the, the tilting spout to be able to throw it further into the one side of the chaser bin because as much as they're getting uh I guess more capacity they're also getting a little wider. they're getting a little longer, and they, they're they're for sure getting deeper so you know really making sure when that chaser bin leaves, especially if he's picking up off two machines, he is chock a block you know and go and get that into a truck and get it on its way to wherever it needs to go
1: absolutely and sixty foot is getting up there. we've got thirty foot um that one's pretty hard to wrangle around our paddocks, but what's the uptake in insiders? Um, knowledge being on the 60 foot that's been adopted quite heavily for the bigger broad acre boys yeah there,
0: there's we've got quite a number of growers running um, the 60 foot uh, machines uh, again it's a hell of a lot of crop to be bringing in um, I haven't really sat down and done what our numbers are to the point of efficiency side of it um, you know especially the guys out in condo and etc that probably in a slightly lighter crop in a normal year. Uh, I know the last couple of years they've had an absolute terrors of it, so it's probably a little bit heavier. Um, have have definitely seen some uh, some efficiency um, increases because you know, covering the ground with that extra. You know, fifteen odd foot could ma- can make a lot of difference over four or five thousand acres. Um, but I've I've had the opportunity to ride in a couple, uh, and it is you know it is a hell of a long left and right to actually keep scanning that that uh, that front to make sure nothing's coming in there that shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, like a good clean paddock going into that. So sure. next, the next one, talking about what sort of models, the new things coming in with Case, um, and what machinery is involved. Is bigger always better? Farmers, especially young farmers, those on TikTok, as we spoke about before, young farmers are looking for these huge machineries, but is it always better when it comes into harvest harvest time? It may oh be-
0: no, I think it's I honestly think it's just dependent on your on your conditions and where you're located. Um, you know, whether it's a, an 8250 or a 9250. You know, we still have a, a very strong market for um, the the Series 6 machines, which are, are guys that, um, you know, I've got a 2388 that maybe harvest, you know, 1,500 acres, 2,000 acres that have said, right, I've had a 2388, it's been a fantastic machine, I, you know, I want to go to the next level, but I don't need an 8250, uh, you know, and I don't probably – and we've also got producers that don't want to take that big – jump from a automation side of it. They're like, no, I just, I, you know, I just want a newer version of my 21 or my 23. Um, So we've, you know, we've taken them into there and, and yeah, it's it's probably hard to put an exact what is bigger is better. Um, Obviously if you're going to go and have it hang a 60 foot front off there, you're going to be taking a lot of dry matter through the machine. So um, as we've always said, horsepower is King in, in certain scenarios. Um, but you've also got to feed it too. So you know, they, they do, as you go up in horsepower, the diesel also goes up as
1: well. Yeah, absolutely. And on those big big ones, the 8250 and 9250, 14.4 um thousand liters that you can hold. That's that's unreal. That's yeah,
0: so your big 92 holds, yeah, over, over a thousand liters in fuel. Um, you know, you're running a you're running a 16 liter engine. Um, it's, a, it's a big donk, um, but in saying that, you know, as I said, you're running a 60 foot machine. Um, you know, whether it's on wheels or tracks, it, it is using a lot of horsepower, and your your processing power is 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 way up there.
1: Great stuff. And the quick segue, you mentioned tracks there. Tracks versus wheels. What are we seeing as a bit of a trend? Everyone's sort of looking towards tracks, sort of whatever the environment is, if it's dry or even a bit wetter.
0: Yeah, it's it, it, it goes a bit ebbs and flows. There'll be, you know, usually if we're coming into a, yet wet, a wet year jewels, you know, we'll have a lot of customers that will move towards jewels. Um, and then if it is, uh, we got some guys that will say, no, I'm staying with singles. Others will go to tracks. Uh, the, probably the biggest thing with tracks is they, they don't have the flexibility to, for roading. Is that is the biggest thing? Tracks generate a lot of heat, and that regardless of what manufacturing machine, no one's ever, no one's ever, um, I guess, come up with a, a a fix to that because they do generate heat. Um, and then I've got some guys that are one hundred percent tracks. You know, from a flotation standpoint, from a, ro- a ride standpoint, um, there's improvements, and then we've got. You know VF and IF tyres coming through. You know they're 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 a, a different cattle uh, of fish again. You know you're running low pressure, so you're running a decent footprint. Um, you still get a little bit of point loading, obviously, because it's a round tyre. Um, but obviously, the pricing is very different to 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 run that uh, that tracked undercarriage.
1: Absolutely. So that's a bit of a good wrap up for the machinery involved within harvest for 2022 and onwards. At Case we know you're the ones out there tending to the earth before the day begins and long after it ends. So the least we can do is go along for the ride. Our dealers will be on call and call outs. Help bit by bit and share the grit. They'll source the parts and play their part to reduce your downtime. From sun up to tools down, it's what you do, it's what we do it's the least Case IH can do. To find your nearest Case IH dealer, visit caseih.com forward slash ANZ. What do you think for yourself, Pete? What stands out for the Case IH combines? There's a fair few Americans listening to this podcast now, uh, so we'll have to be accustomed to what their needs are. Combines and headers, what's, what stands out for Case IH? Um, oh,
0: I think our, our biggest, one of the biggest standout, you know, in, in, you know, 19, 1950, we started building the axle flow, um, with that single rotor. Um, you know, we've held that all the way through. We've made some big advancements on, on, um, its ability. And, you know, if you go and get, you know, a 1688 and sit it next to a ninety two fifty, Now you, you know, it kind of blows your way. Um, just the difference in the technology. Um, it's a very simplistic machine to use. That's one of our, our probably our biggest points. Um, you know, it, it is, and even as you said, it, it is a relatively basic machine from the way it works. So it's very easy to understand. We try and minimize as many belts and chains as we can. You, you, I'm sure you will have seen over the days, you know, some of the older machines, there was chains and belts everywhere. That's a point that that is always a, a pressure point. Um, and then obviously the the headers side of it um, you know whether you're running a pickup front whether you're running a very feed front you know we're, we're still doing very feeds over in um, over in WA. they have a table auger and you, know, you won't probably see one on the on the eastern side it's all draper but I think even the technology with that has really changed the way we harvest and then also we've got what the way the producers actually harvest you know, if you go to South Australia, they still take a lot of straw, um, where if you're in the New South Wales or the Southern Queensland, we leave the straw to come back in and into row so, possibly the, the following year. So it's really trying to build a machine that suits multiple crops, whether it's corn, whether it's soybeans, whether it's, it's wheat, canola, that fits globally, um, which is always a bit of a challenge. But I think our guys and girls know very well how to set up uh, an axial flow, and we try and make it as simple as possible. And I think that major next step was the autonomy to so say, okay, you know, select what you're harvesting. Um, and the machine, with, it, with all the knowledge that we've had from years of keeping that structure and that concept fairly uh, constant we've actually been able to put that information back in and say, okay, we know when we're doing wheat at this speed with this kind of throughput and this flow, we need to make these changes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, that's probably some of the, some of the biggest stuff um, from a, from a case H standpoint that we see as is, is very key to providing a machine that will get harvest completed as quick as possible and as safely as possible and as effective as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in these multi-crop farmers, not all farmers just have the one crop. They're just running wheat all the time. They're jumping canola to barley. I mean, how that works and automating that process will probably be saving some time and some knuckles changing um, the settings manually as well and making sure everything sort of can be done in the cab um, which is beneficial to every farmer listening in. So For yourself, KSIH, creating that simplicity, we go back into that backpacker sort of operator, making sure everything's simple for them. They can just sort of jump in. They've got the basic knowledge of running it in and hopefully not hitting anything out in the paddock. How does KSIH look at this creating simplicity across in the the cab there for the header or the combine?
0: Yeah, I, I think with what we've tried to do, um, and again, referencing back to our, our uh, the, the TikTok, you know, even uh, the review that was put out a couple of days ago, just some reference points to find the information quickly. Um, because again, you know, I've been on farm where they've had days starting up backpackers and you know, it's a, it's a brief walk around, you know, grease here, grease here. Um, don't stick your fingers in here or here because, you know, something will bite you. Um, and then really just making sure that the information that they need to monitor is, is clean and to the point. Um, again, uh, my advice to anyone that's got Harvest Command, which is our automation system, yep. turn it on, try it um you know i think you'll be pleasantly surprised on on the efficiencies that you'll pick up and especially with when we do get back to having that backpacker flow come through i think it's giving you a better opportunity to say okay the, the said backpacker is a pretty smart guy um he doesn't know a lot about harvest but if we can control or at least you know heavily assist those settings which used to always come down from experience. You know, my father would tell me, you got to have the rotor at this speed, fan at this speed, sieves at this. We just get him to literally drive the machine, right? And monitor that. Don't worry about stopping and mucking around with it. the machine will do that. So we are, it is somewhat of a step towards automation. You know, again, from our last episode that we had, controlling the machine, is literally the easier part. You know, we spoke about where would automation come in to kind of first into Australian agriculture. You know, from what we've done with Harvest Command, literally our focus on automation for Case H is controlling the combine. Yeah. We're already controlling the belly of it. Again, it obviously has to be turned on. We, the, the guys can run it in manual if they if they uh, are happy with a, a setting that they've used in, in previous times. But I think... You know, that part of it, it's controlling that to make sure that, as I said before, it's as efficient as possible. You know, we get every single, for every dollar of diesel, we make sure we get more than a dollar of wheat in the back of that machine or barley or whatever they're harvesting.
1: Absolutely, and it's probably a great way to look at it, especially with the lacking labour force that we have and whoever we put in these machines. We want them to be safe in what they're doing, but also be up, up with what the settings are um, and if you can actually closely manage that on your own monitors as the operator, but also externally with Connect, um, I think that'd be pretty good.
0: Yeah. And I think as the crop changes, you know, we see it in paddocks now. We've seen it from yield maps for years ago. You know, you, you don't get a uniform crop all yeah. the way across the paddock. If that machine's saying, all right, my flow's down, uh, it's a dirty sand, it's the sample's getting dirty, I can make an adjustment. You know, ideally, as a producer, you'd love to be able to have the time to do that, but we're not going to stop and say, okay, so where are you know, our sibs are here, et cetera. I remember when we used to stick our head in the back and move it with a ratchet and go, okay, it's on four. We'll go and give that a run. We stop, yeah. we get out, we check, you know, to, to, to take all a majority of that away. And I'm definitely saying to not check what's coming out the back. You should always do that. But, that's just another stress point that we're trying to remove from the whole, um, the, the the joys of harvest, especially around Christmas time.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, everyone wants to reduce that stress coming into Christmas time and hopefully you're done harvesting before Christmas. Um, not always the luckiest out there, but let's get futuristic. What does harvesting look like in the future? Where is it going to go? What's going to happen? How's Case of going to play a part in it?
0: Oh, I, I think our the automation side will be a big thing, um, you know, as we spoke about on the, the previous uh, episode um, was, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's fully autonomous, whether it's to the point where you're driving one and there's two next to you, maybe not in a configuration of combine, maybe it's a simplistic, you know, maybe there's no cab, maybe it's a power unit, a rotor and, and a head on the front of it. Um, I think our opportunity to actually uh, invest in autonomy in harvest, which again is is a very, uh, you know, there's a lot of manpower. Uh, and I don't think it'll, it's not going to be the thing where it takes jobs away from harvest. It'll be pretty well putting those people somewhere else. Okay. You know, we're going to run more trucks. We're going to have more chaser bins, et cetera. Um, and I think also, Looking at what we do with the chaser bin side of it as we get to 60 foot, you know, our, our fronts are getting closer to the, the, the track on that, on that, on that Steiger or the wheel on that Magnum or however, uh, whatever your configuration it is that you're running. Uh, heads, uh, you know, 60 foot's pretty big. Will we ever go bigger than 60? I, I guess when we spoke it when we went from 30 to 40, everyone went, oh, we'll never get any bigger than that. Who knows? Um, and then, are we, you know, are we taking it off? Well, we've seen obviously Shelbourne uh, fronts where they're they're leaving all the stalk and literally taking the grain. You know, is that the right way to go? Is it the wrong way to go? Again, it's a lot of personal preference. So I think, again, from a harvest point of view, there is a lot of focus from all manufacturers on how we can make that more efficient, how we can make it more. Uh, well, how we can make it safer and how we can get it done in a very timely manner, as you said, with trying to dodge the storms, the hail, the wind, um, and then obviously manage, you know, when I was harvesting, our biggest problem was was just getting it away. The amount of times we would sit there with five combines with full bins and saying, well, we'll just sit on the roof and uh, have a sandwich and wait for the trucks to turn up. I'll be you sooner or later. So, you know, there's, there's so many things that are uh, are a struggle or, or uh, sorry, a pinch point on making it flow. I think if we can work on the harvesting side of it and take that pressure away, I think that'll be a, uh, it'll be a great win for our producers.
1: Well, it's definitely one to keep an eye on what the future holds for harvesting for KSH and Australian farmers in general to see how we can become more productive, maybe 80 foot or 70 foot's the next big one, or maybe we backtrack a little bit and go a bit autonomous within that. I'm pretty excited to see what happens, but also know there's a lot of work to be done currently to improve our harvest, our yields, and how we work with machinery. But for yourself, before we wrap this up, Pete, what's your favorite um header model? Well,
0: oh, I I learned to, I learned to drive in a in a um a Clayson, I think it was a 1750, I think something like that. Um, I've driven a Gleaner R22, uh, 2388s. Um, I think the probably the the 9250 is is my favourite. I am a horsepower junkie. Um, I'm probably one of those one. Of, I would be one of those producers that said, "Oh well, I probably don't need it, but I, you know, you can never have enough horsepower." Um, it's a beautiful machine, and I think just the changes. The, the one thing I do like about them is having that reversible rotor. Yeah. You know, I think all your listeners have spent numerous hours pulling canola out of, a, out of a cage and, you know, losing all the skin off their hands and et cetera in the middle of the night when it gets a bit tough and we get a little bit throttle happy. Um, but having that ability just to flick that rotor in, open everything up and just practically regurgitate it. Um, there's usually always a lot of tweets every year thanking us for putting that feature in there, um, especially when, especially canola. Um, but yeah, probably the 92.50, I think. And, and as you said, I think what's coming um, in the future from a harvest standpoint, from KSAH, from all the manufacturers, I think it's going to be a very interesting time um, from a, from a technology adoption standpoint.
1: Yes, I think the farmers are here looking to see what happens in the space and what we can do. But for anyone out there in harvest currently, Pete, what would be your one piece of farm's advice that you'd like them to take away from this episode?
0: I think just be safe. Again, uh, you know, we're all under the pump. Um, you know even really to the point of even you know we know we're going to get bogged I think I said on the last episode it won't be won't be the number of boxes that you get out it'll be how many times you get bogged in a day especially on the eastern side Um, so be very careful when you're when you're using a 600 horsepower tractor to pull out a combine um, with snatch straps and D shackles and etc we've heard some of some horrendous accidents with snatch straps letting go and D shackles flying around so Um, just be careful we would be nice to be able to roll up and and plant next year as well um from that point of view
1: yeah definitely I saw some horrendous one the other day they actually had to dig like two or three meters down to get to some hard base um to get the chaser bin out because if you don't have a chaser bin you can't get the crop off
0: yeah correct it's yeah it, it is messy and also just especially be careful how you pull them out you know, you should always have a have a have a cable into your front axle back to a, a pinch point to back under the axle. Please don't grab a hold of the back axle and reef on it because it won't go well for anybody. So again, don't rush. It's probably the biggest thing on top of the safety side of it.
1: Absolutely. And also do your research on the best way to pull it out. Well, Pete, thank you very much for coming on to this harvest episode. I think it was a great little wrap up and I've got some good insights myself into it. We've got a twenty three eighty eight ourselves, and maybe we might be looking for an upgrade one day. Um, well, you,
0: you know who to reach out to.
1: Easy. <laughs> thank you very much, Pete, for coming on. Um, keep on harvesting. This of advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag farmsadvice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.